This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I am really happy to be here. I'm happy that you're all here. Uh, Dwayne kind of helped with this by doing the Wednesday night study. If you hadn't heard that yet, or if you weren't here, listen to it. It's an amazing study about uh, King David and some of his mighty men, and it covers a lot of time. And he put all the characters up on the board that you'd be hearing about, and it was just, uh, I mean, you could just soak that up. So we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Got some presuppositions here. God is after our hearts. God wants our hearts doesn't want our money, doesn't need our stuff, he's after our hearts. And I'm going to try to show that from the Old Testament and from a, it's not really obscure, it's just kind of a, a book that's not gone to very often, Second Kings. Now before you glaze over, I'm going to do my best to not bog this down. So it's, it's really good. Lord willing, it's really good. We're going to start with uh, the second book of the Kings, chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. All right. Now, there came a day when Elisha passed over to Shunem, where there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat. She said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by us continually. Please, let us make a little upper-walled chamber, and let us set a bed for him in there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand, and it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in there. One day he came there, and he turned in to the upper chamber and rested. And then this man of God says to his servant, Hey, call the Shunammite, please. And when he had called her, she stood before him. He said, To his servant, say now to her, Behold, you have been careful for us with all of this care. What can I do for you? Would you be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the army? So, Elisha, he's the prophet of God times two. He used to follow Elijah, and Elijah was a mighty man of God. And Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot after his ministry, but he told Elisha, hey, if you watch me when I go, you'll get a double portion of my spirit. Elijah would, or Elisha would not be turned away. He watched. Got Elijah's power times two. That's why I put that there. I thought it was kind of funny. Prophet of God times two. Uh, Shunammite, where are you? Right here. This is a really neat influencer. She's just some community lady. She's just there with her husband, and her husband is aged. So he apparently picked a very young wife, and she's really wise. She says, you know what, I, I think we need to add on to our house. And the reason is, so when somebody comes by, we can bless them with some hospitality. So they do. And then this holy man of God, prophet of God times two, gets blessed, and he, he says, gosh, you've been a blessing to me. What can I do for you? 
can I talk to the king on your behalf? Can I talk to the commander of the army? What do you need? Isn't that kind of how society goes? You know, these days, aren't there people out there who would just love to spend an evening with Trump? Just love to spend an evening picking his brain or asking him, hey, can you do this for me? What about on the other side? There's people that really want to speak to Biden. Hey, what can you do for me? I would love it if you could do this for me. So those were considered the influencers by these folks. It's really interesting because this lady kind of turns that down. She says, look, I got my own people. We're good. But then she says, you know, I, I don't have a son. My husband's old. And Elisha, kind of as prophets go in the Old Testament, he's, you know what, no, no problem, God's got this covered. In about a year, you're going to have a son. Okay. So we're not going to go through all of 2 Kings, but this lady and her son show up repeatedly. I mean, they're, they're like a, it's like this mini-series that you see, and there's a lot of things that happen, and I wasn't going to put all of that up on the board, but I just want you to know that that gives us some insight into what people want. I'd love it if somebody would speak to the governor of Arkansas on my behalf and say, you know what, Phil's got this property and he'd like to do this. Could you just make it happen? Just make it work. Hey, they're looking for this mobile home thing. and Could you just say the word and it'll show up? Probably uh, should show up quicker than a year, though. I realize that's not a human. How about the commander of the army these days, uh, General Miley? Not many people want to talk to him. He's kind of messed up. It'd be nice if we could pray for him because he needs it. He, he and the military are kind of heading down the wrong path, it's my opinion. Or maybe Ron DeSantis, if you're big on him. He's pretty powerful. He was in the Navy. I think he was in the JAG Corps, and he worked with the SEALs. So that's kind of got a soft spot in my heart. You know, I just, I'd love to hear the conversations that happen there. We're going to back up just one chapter, and we're going to read 2 Kings 3, 1 through 14. And I want to make sure I'm getting this right. There is a lot here. And I'm not going to ask you to remember the names of the kings of Israel or the kings of Judah. For our study today, it's not important. We're just going to say king of Israel, king of Judah. It it may slip occasionally. I'll I'll mention one of them. Now, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. That's just telling you kind of what happened and when. This guy did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and his mother. They were really wicked. For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal, which his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, which he made Israel sin, and he did not depart from them. Now Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he used to pay the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams. 
But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So we're kind of getting this little history going on. King of Israel happened to be powerful at one point, but he was wicked. And he had this other king, like a vassal king over here, king of Moab, who owed him some stuff. Hey, if you want to stay alive, this is what you're going to pay me. You've got a lot of sheep. I need the wool. You live. I get the, I get the goods. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. And he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are. My people are as your people. My horses as your horses. And he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, The way of the wilderness of Edom. I'm going to park there for just a second. So now we've got these two guys. One's wicked. One we're not quite sure about yet. Wicked. Not quite sure about. This guy over here, King of Moab. Uh, I knew this was going to get a little... Uh, okay, King of Moab's a bad guy. Wicked. Wicked. There, these two over here are going to ally with this guy. Follow along. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they made a circuit of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. So these guys now have a logistical nightmare on their hands. They've gone to war, but there's no supplies. This is bad. You need food and you need water to keep these guys fed so that they're going to follow you and they're going to fight for you. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hands of Moab. He's kind of a whiner, and we're going to see this repeatedly. He just has no backbone, and he's, oh, no, the sky is falling. But Jehoshaphat said, and he's the good king right here from Judah, Jehoshaphat. You've heard great jump on Jehoshaphat? Well, that's who this is named after. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? This is brilliant. The guy's gone off to battle, but before he, before he said this, he probably should have said it before he even allied with this, the king of Israel. That, that's just a critique on my part. Shall we inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered, this is cool, how come the, the kings don't know this stuff? It's the servants that know it. Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, and he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So that's talking about these guys. The servant of the king of Israel says, you know what, there is a, there is a prophet here. We can talk to him. He's a prophet of God. And as a matter of fact, here's some history about him. This guy used to serve this guy. Seems like a pretty good deal. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now Elisha said to the king of Israel, all right, so three kings show up on the prophet's doorstep, and the prophet has this to say, what do I have to do with you, king of Israel? Go to the prophets of your fathers and to the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hands of Moab. So he's, he's a wreck. He's a, an emotional mess. Elisha said, 
as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I wouldn't even look at you or see you. That's pretty powerful. So this guy right here, Elisha, prophet of God, says to this guy, if it weren't for this dude, you, you, I wouldn't even care about what you said. We would have nothing to do with each other. Go back to your wicked mom and dad and talk to their gods. Talk to their prophets. See if that helps. This is kind of rough. Uh, so, the quick version there is the Spirit of God comes on Elisha and the Spirit of God tells Elisha what to tell these kings and how to win the battle, and they do. But there's a wicked thing that happens, and it's not on these two's part or this one's part uh, here. It's on the king of Moab, and it's in 2 Kings 3, 26 and 27. Now bear with me because this one gets a little wicked. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to, to fight the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his oldest son, who was to reign in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. Okay, so if the battle's going bad for you, you take your oldest son, the guy who's going to follow you up as king, and you make him go away. You say, I'm going to serve, I'm, I'm going to serve this guy and kill him and offer him as a burnt off offering. Okay, so these, were, these people were influenced by something. That's kind of why I titled this Influencers. Who are the influencers nowadays? Who are the influencers? Who were the influencers back then? Sometimes it's easy to see. Sometimes it's not so easy. I'm going to say that God is influencing all of this but he's influencing it to get people's hearts. I'm going to say that God was very interested in this guy's heart, the king of Aram, who hasn't even been mentioned yet in our, in our study today. The king of Aram, Aram and Syria are kind of uh, interchangeable, so don't get lost in that. Same country, just named by two different names. This guy's name is Ben-Hadad. That's son of the god Adad. So that's who he's influenced by, some god named Adad. And he's got an army commander named Naaman. We all know his story, but we're going to go over that uh, today real quick. He's a leper. But he happens to be uh, a mighty, uh, powerful soldier and, and warrior and leader. So we're going to read 2 Kings 5, 1 through 19. We're going to go over this kind of fast because, again, you know the story, but I just want to point out some things. So uh, I heard the pages stop turning, so we're going to, we're going to go on. 2 Kings 5, uh, 1 through 19. Now Naaman, captain of the army of Aram, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. Okay, hang on here. This is a country 
outside of Israel that the Lord is showing favor on. Why is that happening? We'll get to that. This man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. So King David was called a valiant warrior. His men were called valiant warriors. And this guy, who is an enemy of Israel, Naaman, is uh, being blessed by God and actually attacking Israel. This does not seem to make sense. And it's taken me a while as I look through 2 Kings to go, why is that? God, why are you sending someone who is against you to attack your own people? That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Verse 2. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. We're going to make her this person right here. So, uh, when you take somebody captive, it's usually not, hey, you just want to come over with us and just stay with us for the rest of your life. It's kind of bloody, you know. They, the enemy gets there and they take care of who's, whoever's guarding you and they pick up the plunder and the, oh, you know, we can use some servants. Let's just take them. And you're usually tied up so you don't run off. And it's, it's not pleasant. But it happened. And after some time, this little girl is at an age where she can talk, and she says to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Okay, so this is, this is some servant, some obscure person who doesn't have the power of the kingdom or the queenship, whatever that's about, doesn't have the power of the army, and they just say, hey, if you want to get healed, you should go talk to this guy. Uh, Naaman heard this from his wife. His wife had that conversation go, hey, honey, the servant girl says you can get this taken care of, you know, if you just go talk to this, this prophet who's in Israel. So Naaman, how do you think he felt? Oh, okay, now I'm going to go into the king and say, well, my wife said that her servant girl said, that I could be healed if I went and did this. Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Uh, verse 4. Verse 5. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. So remember the king of Israel, who doesn't respond well to things. He's not going to respond well here. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. It happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. You know the rest of the story. Naaman goes, parks out in front with his chariot. He's expecting a valet. He's expecting to be let in and, or, or have the guy come out and do some great thing. A servant comes out and says, yeah, you're Naaman. Uh, seven times Jordan River. Call me in the morning. So 
Naaman goes off in a huff. What? I am a mighty man. I could have taken everyone in that village captive. And, and you just send me to a river that's muddier than whatever? I, I'm not doing that. So more servants enter the picture and say, uh, hey, if, uh, if you've been told to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Wouldn't you have just said, yeah, I'm going to go do it? Like, yeah, I guess you're right. I would have. Okay. So I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go dip seven times. Poof, he's healed. Now that's God, God's power. That's not the prophet. The prophet just said, this is what God told me to tell you. So this guy is now no longer a leper. He's still commander of this guy's army. He is still a mighty man of valor. He says to uh, the prophet when he goes back, take all this stuff. Take the clothing, take the money. The prophet says, I don't need your stuff. I don't need your money. Uh, I, don't, I don't need that. God doesn't need that. Well, then Naaman says, okay, if you're not going to take my stuff, can you please give me two bags of dirt? Two bags of dirt? What? What is that about? The guy says, so I can take this dirt back, and I can go back to my house, and I can make a garden. He doesn't really say the thing about the garden. I'm, I'm insinuating it. Dumps it out and says, I know that the God of Israel is in control of that dirt. That's where I got healed over here where this prophet was, the prophet of God. So everybody kind of agrees. And then Naaman says one more thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, can you forgive me of this one thing? The prophet says, what? What are you talking about? When I go with my king, the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad, into the temple of his God, we're going to go in there, and I'm going to be on his right hand, and he's going to be leaning on me. And I'm supposed to kind of show homage, pay homage to this God that I know is not God because God over here, the prophet, the, the God of this prophet healed me. And I know that this God over here is not God. This God is fake over here. And I'm going to have to go in that temple and bow and offer sacrifices to this pagan idol that I don't want to. So just please forgive me of that because it's my job. So Elijah says, go in peace. How well do you think that conversation went over when he got back to his king's house? Or, you know, hey, it's now the day that we're supposed to go to the temple and we're supposed to offer a sacrifice. And Naaman's looking at his body and he's going, you know, uh, I was healed. And it wasn't this thing that did it. It was something else. So that conversation did probably not go well at all. I can imagine the king saying, what is your problem? The, the 20 years you've served me before, this has not been an issue. Just bow down. And David's like, uh, 
I can't do this. See, clean skin, no leprosy. It didn't come from this. I'm not doing this. So he was probably killed. You never hear about him again in the Old Testament. We'll get to him in the New Testament in just a minute. Uh, let's go to Second uh, Kings 8, 7 through 15. And you guys have stopped turning pages, so I think you're probably there. Uh, let's see. Let me make sure I'm in the right spot. I didn't want to do this electronically. I didn't want to rely on that. But uh, I'm thinking maybe I should have. Whoops, that's not it. Just a moment. All right. It's Second uh, Kings 6, 8 through 15. This is how the king of Aram responded after he probably had Naaman put to death as a traitor. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. The king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to, to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No, no, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So, this guy is now giving some input to the king of Israel. And he's saying, you shouldn't go over there because the king of Aram, the king of Syria, is mad and he wants war and he's going to hunt you down because he thinks that you turned his guy against him. That's the way I, I kind of read that. This guy just seems kind of brutal. He seems really... Uh, proud, not very humble. He, he really wants his own way. Uh, as a matter of fact, if people don't do what he says, he has them put to death. Or, who is telling my secrets? I, if you tell me who's, who's, who's the traitor, we're going to take him out too. I'm going to say that God is looking for a change of heart in this guy. There are some other scenarios that happen, and I'm going to go over these really quick. Uh, do you remember that marauding band of raiders from Aram that would come in to Israel occasionally, and they took that little servant girl away? Well, they're going to stop doing that here after something happens. 
the king of Aram sends his army into Israel and he surrounds the place where Elijah is, or excuse me, Elisha, and attempts to take it over. And all the people in that city are just desperate. The food is running out. The water is running out. They're doing wicked, wicked things to stay alive. They're, they're resorting to cannibalism and other gross things. And Elisha, uh, there's a couple of different stories that happen, but Elisha basically says, blind the eyes of these guys, Lord. And the Lord blinds their eyes, and then Elisha walks off with them and takes them to another location, to the king of Israel, and says, hey, king of Israel, all of these guys are from Aram. They're, they're the army of Aram, and you need to feed them and send them home. And the king of Israel says, no, 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 wait, 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 Let, let's kill them all. And Elisha said, would you kill these guys if you captured them with your own sword and bow? No. Feed them, give them water, give them something to drink, and send them home. And then it says, the marauding bands of Aramean, of the Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. That's pretty powerful. Now, these were one, one set, I would say these were probably uh, the people that were run by Naaman. Uh, these, were, these were probably his his army, but uh, the king of Syria, the king of Aram, had another army, and he goes back and attempts to to take over Israel again, and it fails miserably. We're going to gloss over all of that. Second Kings eight, verse seven. This is after. Many years, probably seven years has passed uh, in, in between these couple of chapters. Then Elisha came to Damascus. Now Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, was sick, and it was told to him, saying, The man of God has come here. The king said to his servant Hazael, Take a gift in your hand and go to meet with the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Will I recover from this sickness? I don't want to have gone over that so quickly. What I want you to catch is that while this guy is no longer in the picture, this guy got sick. Who did he ask for help from? The Lord, the God of Israel. How did that happen? This guy had attacked Israel multiple times. One of his commanders was healed of leprosy and then sent back, and then there was some struggle there. You never hear about him again in the Old Testament. And then this guy's army gets sent back, fed and, and watered, and he's, he eventually has a change of heart. I, I'm going to say that God was looking for this guy to humble himself. Now, here's where the story takes another turn. And I'm going to try to, try to tie this up because this one has really made me scratch my head quite a bit. We're going to take a look at... Uh, more in 2 Kings 8, uh, verse 9. 
So Hazael, that's the servant of the king of Aram, the king of Syria, went to meet and took a gift in his hand and even every kind of good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads, and he came and stood before him, the him being uh, the servant of God. And he says, your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, has sent me to you, saying, will I recover from the sickness? Then Elisha said to him, go say to him, you will surely recover, but the Lord has shown me that he will certainly die. This is very odd. I would not have expected that to happen. Elisha fixed his gaze steadily on Hazael until he was ashamed, and then the man of God wept. So there's a, a stare down that happens here. It's kind of unique. Hazael said, why does my Lord weep? And then Elisha answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the sons of Israel, that their strongholds, you will be the one that sets them on fire, and their young men you will kill with the sword, and their little ones you will dash in pieces, and their women with child you will rip up. <coughs> then Hazael said, but what is your servant, who is but a dog, that he should do this great thing? And Elisha answered, the Lord has shown me that you will be king over Aram. So Hazael departed from Elisha and returned to his master, who said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me that you would surely recover. On the following day, Hazael took the cover and dipped it in water and spread it on the face of the king so that he died. And Hazael became king in his place. That came out of left field. I'm reading that going, what is this even in there for? I'm going to try to share it like this. God is the God of the living, not the dead. God constantly refers to himself and Jesus in the New Testament as the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham. They're alive. So I'm positing here that... Uh, the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad, even though physically he was dead, spiritually he was still alive somewhere. And if what I'm thinking is true, that he did become a follower of God, he was alive in a good place, which was probably a great thing for him. I can't put money on that. But that's kind of where I'm leaning. Because this guy actively stops the, the fighting with Israel and says, you know what? Your God is God, and I want to follow him. And can you inquire of him for me? I'm going to go through the proper channels this time and not just take things that don't belong to me. So with that said, I'm going to try to bring this into the New Testament. Luke 4, 27. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Only Naaman. There were lots of lepers that Jesus could have gone around, or, or that Elisha could have gone around and healed, but he didn't. He got this guy from outside of Israel. That's 
that's part of the gospel. The good news isn't just for the land and the people of Israel. It's not. It's, it's not based on your genetics. It's not based on your culture. It's not based on your nation. It's not based on any of that. Psalms 116.15. This, uh, this one I thought might have been kind of unique. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So if this guy, Ben-Hadad, a former enemy of God, had repented, he could have been one of the ones set apart by God. We'd see him in heaven. That's kind of an amazing promise. Mark 12, 26 through 27. Bear with me, I, uh, again, using the paper version of this. Mark 12, 26 through 27. But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken. I find that comforting, at least in this situation for Ben-Hadad, who seems to have acquiesced to following God. There are two other passages that I want to share. These are going to be found in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, 1 through 5, and Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. These are Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. Isaiah chapter 11, 1 through 5. Then a shoot will spring up from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor. Oops. Didn't quite work. So there's some of the poor that are illustrated in this story. The, the heroes of the story, as Dane said a little a few weeks back, um, the heroes of the stories are probably the servants who made a dent in people's attitudes and their actions. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. This guy was afflicted with leprosy. This guy was afflicted with pride. He will strike the earth with, a rod, with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the liquid. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. It's kind of a picture of revelations that we get of Jesus. 
He's going to do all these things. And it looks like he's doing them back here. Uh, a thousand years before Jesus lived. Give or take. Okay, we're going to turn over one page to uh, Isaiah 12. Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And in that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So, these prophets of God spoke the truth about God. They revealed the truth about God. Isaiah was a prophet of God. He revealed the truth about God. That's still going on today. We still have that responsibility to speak the truth about God, speak the truth about Jesus. In this world right now, and some, some people in this room feel this probably more deeply than others right now because of their role in, in civic duties or whatever, where there's people that are actively angry at them because of their, their stand that they've taken toward, with God, their stand that they've said, you know, I'm siding with God. I, I don't want to behave inappropriately or, inappropriately or or pat you on the head and say, you're doing the right thing, keep going. I would much rather, I would much rather trust in God, even if somebody comes along and kills me. You know, regardless, uh, those were kind of the choices back a thousand years before Jesus, and they're kind of the choices nowadays. Are we going to stay firm, stand firm in what God has revealed. This little trip through history has taken 41 minutes. Uh, there was so much more that could have been shared, and I, I took one of Kaylin's uh, lessons and, and I chopped this up so that it would fit. Um, we didn't talk about the kingdom of heaven. We didn't talk about what it takes, what it took for these guys to become followers and believers in the God of heaven. Dwayne would say, we haven't talked about the first principles of becoming a Christian. But if you're interested in those, and you're interested in following people the likes of Naaman or Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, or the Shunammite man and woman, or the servant girl, or the male servant of the king of Israel, who knew better than this guy which end was up, and who could stand with this guy and say, you know what, I know that there's a servant of God around here someplace who's going to tell me the truth. So, 
If you are interested in that, we'd love to, to talk more. We'd love to share how you can be made right with God from the, from the Bible. That way you're not just taking it from our word. You're not taking it from our opinion. You can actually study it out for yourself. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. If you need the prayers of the church, or if you need to confess something, or just say, hey, I, I need some help. I would like to be more like Naaman. I'd like to lose the pride. I'd like to lose the spiritual leprosy I've got. Then please, as we stand and sing, you can come on up. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.